Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. I end this message today. I've been in a series, if you're new, I've been in a series called Mind Games, and uh, today I want to talk to you about win it, win it, uh, win it. Some time ago, when I was pastoring at Discover Church there in Burnsville, Minnesota, we put together a softball team. And uh, our softball team, when we first started, I'll be honest with you, we were the bad news bears. We were the laughing stock of Burnsville. We were the laughing stock, man, even for Adventure Church or Discover Church, excuse me. And I, I would even hate to be honest with you say I was the pastor when we went to play. I was just one of the players. Who are you? Oh, I'm just one of the players. Because I didn't want to be identified with the bad news bears and Discover Church, and I was the pastor. But I remember as we started progressing as a team, we started progressing. And as we started progressing, we started getting better. So as we started getting better, we entered ourselves into a tournament there in Bloomington, Minnesota. And when we were in this tournament, there were some big monster teams. And maybe you've heard of River Valley. There's a big church in, in Lakeville, excuse me, in Apple Valley. They're called River Valley. And they're a big church. They, for the previous years, were always winning the tournament. And then there's Cedar Valley, which is Bloomington Assembly of God. They were also a big heavy hitter team. And so there was all these big monster teams that were so good. And I'll never forget when we went out as a team, our slogan for that day, for that whole weekend, Friday and Saturday, because that's what the tournament went on, our slogan was, we're in it to win it. We're in it to win it. And I remember our very first game that we played, to be honest with you, we lost. And it kind of took a bite out of us, but we said, no, wait a minute. We're in it to win it. So what we had to do, we had to play in the loser's bracket, and we came up all the way through the loser's bracket to be able to get to the championship. But in that process of getting to the championship, everything we had to do was we had to remind ourselves that we were in it to win it. We're not here just to play games. How many know that the enemy is not here just to play games? He's in it to win it. The Bible says he comes to kill, rob, and destroy. He's in it to win it, to bring you down and defeat you, discourage you, and make you feel discouraged and, and, and want to quit. And so what happened was is that as we were going up the loser's bracket, we had to face some hurdles. And we faced these teams, and we won our next game, we won our next game. The third game that we played was Cedar Valley or Bloomington Assembly. And they were a great team. And, man, just by looking at them, they looked like opposing people. They looked like giants, like David and Goliath. They looked, some of them were big opposing players. But we had to, to get together, we, we rallied together, and we got ourselves together prior to stepping onto the field, and we said, wait a minute, we're going to pray? And then as we broke up, we counted one, two, three, and we all said, in it to win it. We went on the field, and we ended up winning against Cedar Valley. We won that game. So we thought all confident, man, we were, man, excited. We won that game. We beat that giant. We won over that hurdle. Then we went on and we won two more games. We had to play seven games on a Saturday morning because we came up to the loser bracket. Then we played two more games, and now we're faced with Cedar River Valley. We're faced with River Valley, and River Valley had won the tournament the last prior two years in a row. So we're faced with River Valley. And, man, they were already, I kid you not, man, they were making fun of us. They already thought that they had it in the bag. We went out there and played them, and we did the same thing. We prayed, and we walked away, one, two, three, in it 
to win it, Art. And when we walked away, we walked out to the field and we played that game. We not only won that game, but we killed them in that game. God be the glory. We won 18 to 6 and we won the championship game. We were in it to win it. And in this Christian walk, let me just say to you, you have to be determined knowing that you are in a game of life. And in this game of life, the enemy does not play fair. He does not fight fair. He doesn't play fair. He's a cheater. And he always wants to blindside you. He never faces you face to face. He always blindsides you from behind. He is in it to win it. So you as a believer in Christ have to have that same mentality that I'm in it to win it. And so when you're in it to win it, we talked about last week about transforming your mind. In other words, changing your habits, changing your stinking thinking, changing your mindset. And it says in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, that we have to transform our mind. And then after we transform our mind, then do not live like the pattern of the world. The pattern of the world, being like the world. How will people know that you are different if you are living as the world, acting like the world, talking as the world, and even thinking as the world? You are different, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 14, 2, that you are peculiar, you are different, that you are set apart from the world. So what makes us different or how can we be transformed? The pattern of this world, here is the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is critical. That's the pattern of this world. That we're critical, everything we're critical about, man, we're never satisfied, we're never happy. Another one is cynical, always cynical, negative, always negative. You see the pattern of this world, always negative, always thinking about the negative things, waiting for the shoe to fall, condescending, putting people down. That's the pattern of this world, revengeful, judgmental, that we're always judging. We like to judge, but we don't like to be judged. You know what? We like to point fingers at everybody else, but when people point fingers at us, we hate it. We don't like it. We get mad. We get angry. Then why do we do it to others? We want to be judgmental and then spiteful. You hit me, I'm going to knock you out. You knock me, you hit me, I'm going to knock you out before you can't hit me again. We want to get spiteful. That's the pattern of this world. So how does that happen? Those actions or those ways always starts with a thought. Amen. A negative thought. When you start talking negative, it always starts by a thought. I always say that it starts from a seed. A seed turns into a tree. A tree turns into its fruit. And you will eat the fruit thereof. So everything starts with a thought. So if you're walking with a negative thought, you're going to react to that thought. Those actions always start with a thought that leads to destruction. Defeat, pain, separation from God, and man. What do you mean separation from God? I mean, the more you talk and the more you walk in the negativity of your life, it separates you. It puts you away from God because God is good. And if you're walking in the negative, guess what that's doing you? It's pushing you away from God. And when you're pushed away from God, your ears are not going to be able to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying because you're fixated on the negative and the bad things and critical and all these kind of things in your life. And so, therefore, when God tries to speak, all you can hear is the negative. And what happens, not only does it separates you from God, but it pushes you away from man, and you wonder why maybe you don't have friends in your life, and maybe people don't want to associate with you, because maybe what's coming out of your mouth is pushing them away, and what's coming out of your mouth is what you're thinking in your head. 
And so what, what happens here, you get that 18-inch syndrome. What comes here goes in here, and out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So whatever you're thinking in here, guess what happens? Whatever you're thinking in here goes into the container, and the container is your heart. And out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. And you wonder why sometimes you're not hearing God or sensing God or feeling God or why people don't want to be around you. Maybe it's because of what's coming out of here because of what you're thinking here. So you got to be careful. So when you think about that, whenever you compete, your goal should be to win. Because we are all born to be competitors. How many of you know that's true? I don't know about you, but I don't like to lose, right? Come on. Even though, the, you know, my coach always used to say at Bible school, he said, CJ, we got to be meek, but not weak. I said, amen. Because <laughs> when I stepped out of the basketball court, my mission was to take you out. Mama going to knock you out. And I was here to take you out. I wasn't here to play games. I'm not here to play pickup sticks, man. I'm going to knock you out. I'm here to win, right? And so we got that attitude. My granddaughter, the other day I was just playing with her battleship. How many played that game, battleship, right? You sunk my battleship, right? You ever play that? Man, I played that game with my granddaughter, and I knew that I sunk her ship. And there's one that has five on it, right? You got a five pegs. And I'm like, Riley, I know I hit your battleship. No, Papa, you didn't. No, Papa, you didn't. And, you know, after you name the number, you got to put a white peg in there and so you know that you hit that, called that number. And I looked, and eventually I couldn't sink her battleship. I sunk all of them but the five. And there was one left. I thought, what in the world? And all of a sudden, we kept playing, and Riley wins. And I looked, and I said, Riley, let me see your thing. I said, Riley, I called out that number. She said, I know, Papa, but I didn't want to lose, so I didn't tell you. 11-year-old. I said, what's up with that? Right? But we all got that competitive attitude that we want to win. But in winning, in winning, here's what happens in winning. Winning takes energy, effort, time, and practice. You know, Levi, you didn't become the football player that you were without taking time, energy, effort, and practice. Zach, like you are now. Baseball, man, the kid threw a, a, a great game the other day. I watch you even though I'm not there. I came to a couple of, one of your games, but man, it takes practice to become good. And if you don't practice, you're not going to define yourself or become better. It takes energy. Now watch this. As much as it takes energy for winning the sports, to win the battle of your mind and thoughts, get this, to win the battle of your mind and your thoughts, guess what? It takes energy, effort, time, and practice. Just as much as I practice to become better at my skill of basketball, it's the same way that you have to do with your mind. You have to take energy, effort, time, and practice to make yourself better that I'm going to practice on thinking whatever is pure, just, holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight, God. I'm going to practice it. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to take time to transform me by the renewing of my mind. God, I'm going to get rid of the stinking thinking. And God, it's going to take me time to transform it, to change it, rearrange it. Because I'm in the habit of always seeing the negative instead of the positive. So, God, i got to break that habit, and I have to transform it 
by thinking upon whatever is true. They say it takes seven or ten times, seven to ten times, to form a habit. And once you start forming a habit, it becomes easier to you. A habit is meaning a routine. It's a ritual. It's a way of living that, God, I have a habit. And that habit is that, God, I train my mind every day to, man, think upon whatever is pure. Do you ever wonder why David said in Psalms, and you know the verse, David said in Psalms, this verse. It stands out to me because it reminds me of that we should do this every day. That this is the day. He's talking about today, not yesterday. I always say that yesterday, now get this, yesterday is history. You can't replace yesterday. Yesterday is history. Today is a gift. Tomorrow is a mystery. So today is a gift, and what you do with this gift that God has given you right now is up to you. So yesterday is history. Today is a gift. So what are you going to do with this gift? Are you going to make it, man, get it and all of a sudden break it and destroy it? Or are you going to give life to it? Are you Are going to give purpose to it? Are you Are going to give meaning to it? And you do that in this gift that God has given you today, that make a choice that this is the day the Lord has made. I shall and I will rejoice in it. You have to make a choice to rejoice each and every day of your life that, God, I'm making a choice, God, to rejoice in you regardless of how I feel, think, and what I'm going through in life. I still make a Choice. No one can make the choice for you except yourself. You have to choose. You choose this day. The Bible says choose this day who you will serve. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. Either you're going to love one or you're going to hate the other. You can't have salt water and fresh water in the same way. Else they're going to get polluted. You have to make a choice. So if you decide to walk down that negative road, have at it. Follow that negative road, follow the yellow brick road, whatever you want to call it, have at it. But I choose to serve the road of life that leads to life more abundantly. And it all starts up here in your mind. Listen to this. I love this. In Romans chapter 7, Paul lays out a principle. Maybe this is you. Paul lays it out, and this is what he says. You ever find this with you? So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, Evil is right there with me. How many ever had that happen? You know what I'm talking about? Whenever I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You know, evil always follows good. Man, the enemy never tires. He is always trying to bring you down. No matter what you do in life, man, you could be at the highest of highs and guess what's going to be knocking at your door as soon as you're celebrating? The enemy. He's always going to try to bring you down and bring bad or negative or something in your life. But watch this. Paul goes on in verse 22. This is so cool. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, God's ways. You here today, every one of you, I, I pretty much know this congregation. Some of you are new today. Maybe I don't know you as well. But I say this, every one of you, I know your intentions are to do what's right. I know that. I know your intentions that, God, I want to serve you with all my heart. I want to love you with everything in me. God, I want to do what you want me to do, and I'll go where you want me to go. I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. I know that that's your prayer. But I also know that as soon as you say it, the devil not only hears it, but he responds to your cry, and he wants to discourage you and stop you and defeat you 
from going where God wants you to go, from being what God wants you to be, and doing what God wants you to be. And the way he does and discourages you, he starts putting thoughts in your mind. That if I go where God wants me to go, maybe I won't be qualified or line up to what he wants me to do. If I be what God wants me to be, I might not be that perfect person that God wants you to be. Guess what? God doesn't look for perfect. God says, listen, he will qualify those who already make, make themselves available. God is the one who equips you if you make yourself available. All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. So if you think you're perfect, you're not going to be perfect until he takes us home. We're all going to make mistakes. So think about this. If you think you're not perfect and you're not worthy, guess what? I'm the same way. But God, by his grace, accepts you and forgives you just as you are. But watch this. This is so cool. In verse 23, check this out. Watch what he says. This is so awesome. But I see another law at work in me. Waging war. Waging war. You ever been in a tug of war before? Waging war. Watch this. Against the law of my mind. Should I or shouldn't I? Yes or no? Maybe so. Always waging war in your mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. How many of you ever had that happen? In your mind, you want to do good. Man, I don't want to think these thoughts. I don't want to do this. Man, you react to your thoughts. Your life follows your thoughts. And all of a sudden, what happens? You're in this tug of war. You're in this battle. You're waging war. And so what happens, because you're so exhausted and so tired by these thoughts and these things, you just put yourself in park. And then you're just tossed and blown wherever the sea may blow you to go. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways because you can't do what you want to do because your mind is so at war with negative things, trying to be positive. You're at war. But watch what he says in verse 24. What a wretched man I am. You ever felt like that? God, why do I think these thoughts? God, why do I want to go through this? I remember and I, some time ago when I was pastoring one of our churches, my wife and I were counseling with an individual, and this lady came in, and she was having, and I'll just be real honest with you, she was having some hormonal problems. And because she was having some hormonal problems, she was a great, great lady. But she said, Pastor, Pastor Cheryl, she said, at a drop of a hat, I could love you one minute, and the next minute I could hate you. I can love you, and next day I want to kill you. And she knew that it was her emotions, her hormones that were making her think these things, that she was so out of whack that she didn't even realize that this was happening. And finally, she was convinced by her spouse to go and get checked, and she found out that her hormones were out of balance. But in the meantime, she was struggling. She was so much in agony that, man, I, I, I could kill that person. She was that legit. And her mind took it to that place. And sometimes in our lives, that's where like our hormones are, are out of balance or our spiritual walk is out of balance with God. And the enemy loves to pounce. He always looks for the weak one. He doesn't look for the strong one. He's roaming to and fro looking for whom he may devour. The one he may devour is the weak one. And he's always looking for the weak one that starts with the mind. If he can get you in the mind, it gets you in your heart. If he gets your heart, it's going to affect you and bring you down. And he comes at you. But then he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? In other words, he felt like a failure. 
Ever felt like that? Maybe by the things you think, maybe even by the things you say. Well, Paul, who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, felt that way. But God still loved him. Listen to this. The thoughts of evil always follow right behind the thoughts of good. Let me know that's true. Here's an example. Have you ever done this before? You, maybe you, you search for that great Christmas present. Man, you searched high and low. You were buying that Christmas present for that particular person, that particular one that you love so dear. And finally, you found that present. And when the day came to give them that Christmas present, you were waiting for the reaction on their face. And so you gave them their present. They opened it up, and they didn't get the, you didn't get the reaction that you thought you were going to get. And the first thing that comes to your mind, what? Maybe they don't like it. What? Or maybe I got the wrong thing. Or, or maybe I shouldn't have done this. Or have you ever done this before? Maybe you were in a conversation and you were having a good time with people, and all of a sudden you said something, and later on you walked away and said, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Who's ever done that? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Evil always follows good. It wants to bring you down. It makes you feel discouraged. And what do you do? You ponder on that all day long, right? And so what does it do? The more you ponder on it, the more it grows, the more it grows, the more you get discouraged, the more you get discouraged, the more you get defeated, the more you get defeated. Guess what? You want to quit. And then guess what you want to do? You want to call that person up and say, oh, I'm so sorry that I said that. And they say, what are you talking about? But you festered on that. You festered on that. You fixated on that. That it brought you down to a point that you had to call that person. Say, hey, forgive me. And they're like, what are you talking about? That's what evil follows good. And that's what Paul is saying. Whenever I want to do good. Look at this. Evil thoughts take away your joy. How many you know that's true? They'll take away your joy and make you feel miserable of expressing yourself. It'll make you retreat. It'll make you close yourself in from expressing your joy, expressing yourself, being all who God wants you to be. I love this, expressing yourself, loving yourself. What happens with evil thoughts? They always put you down. Evil thoughts are intended to put you down. And if they put you down, guess what the first thing that's going to do to you? It's going to make you stop loving yourself. And here's why you don't stop loving yourself. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated. See what happens when you stop loving yourself? And the more you heap on yourself, the more you start suffocating the life of Christ in you. And that's exactly what the enemy does. When you start thinking about it, man, I don't love myself. Nobody loves me. And here's another thing. Loving yourself and loving others. When you feel negative and you feel down and discouraged, what do you do? You retreat. You retreat, and the enemy knows that there's strength in numbers. There's strength in numbers. So what does he want to do? He wants to isolate you from your friends. He wants to make you feel bad from your friends, thinking you're not worthy enough, you're stupid, you're this, you're that. And so that's a lie, a lie from the pits. So what do you do because you feel that way? You pull away from your friends where the strength comes from. Iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another, Proverbs 27, 17. And what happens? You pull away. Isn't that exactly what goes on? Check this out. When I was studying this, and this is a, my counselor coming out of me, right? 12% of our thoughts are focused on the future, looking ahead, planning, preparing, and dreaming. 12%. 12% are looking at the future, planning, dreaming, and preparing. Planning. 12%. 
But look at this. Look at this statistic. This is crazy. 80% of our thoughts are always focused on the negative, fear, and regret. Isn't that the three monsters that the enemy loves? To, he wants to focus on negative, always seeing the bad instead of the good, always looking at the negative things instead of the good things that are happening. You ever had this happen to you? This is the, this is the person that focuses on the bad or on the negative. They go to a party. The party is a great thing. Man, people were laughing. They are having a good time. Man, people were celebrating. Things were going good. I went to a wedding yesterday. I did a wedding yesterday in St. Croix. Probably one of the prettiest places I've ever done a wedding. It was an outdoor wedding. Man, really cool. But I remember just watching those people, and they were introducing the bridal party, and they were doing their dance and all that kind of stuff, and I was watching them celebrate. But what really hit me was this. when you walk away from a party, I see this happen so many times with people. They walk away from the party Instead of seeing the good in the party, the first thing that they do when they walk away from the party, she did this and she did that and he did this and he did that. I'm like, what party were you at? Because that's not what I saw. But that's what I'm talking about with negative thoughts. And what else they do? Fear. You know what fear is? False evidence appearing real. Fear will paralyze you and stop you and grip you and put you in park that you don't do anything. That's what fear does. And if the enemy can put fear in you, it will stop you. And if he stops you, that means he stops you from progression or going forward. And he's got you where he wants you. Now he's going to get you. And that's exactly what he wants you to do. Fear. That's why Paul said, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and a sound Mine. He didn't give me a spirit of fear, timidity, but of love and a power and a sound mind to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. But I love this next one, though. Regret. I always counsel with people or see people every day. Every day I see people. You know what they live in? Regrets. They live in the woulda, coulda, shoulda. Every day, if I wouldn't have done that, if I wouldn't have done this, if I shouldn't have done that. And they live in the woulda, coulda, shouldas. They live in the regrets. And because they live in the regrets or their past, they never can walk into their future. And they're wondering why that this is so old and mundane and nothing fresh in their lives. Because you haven't let go of the regrets. Jesus said, he blots out your regrets, your past, your failures, your faults, your sins. And Jesus said, I blot them out, and he remembers them no more. So if God doesn't remember them, why do you? Your regrets will hold you back from your future, and your future is life and life more abundantly. But some of you are not walking in your abundance because you're walking in regrets. And regrets will hold you back. Watch this. They say... We think 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. Wow. Can you imagine that? There you go. Always thinking. This thought, that thought, changing from one plan to another plan, thinking this, thinking that, and your thoughts are going wild. If that's the case, if 80% is on negative thoughts, where do you think your life is heading? Think about that. Where do you think your life is heading? You're going down a dead end. So you say, well, pastor, then how do I do that? Watch this. If you are going to win this battle in your mind, 
You must make every effort, now get this, every effort to focus on the good. Every effort. You have to change your mind. God, I got to in it to win it. You got to make a choice that I'm going to change my mind. So how do you do that? Now, I'm going to give you something. This is a nugget from my heart. Normally, I don't do this, but this is mine, Bob, that I do every day that I walk in this barometer. So what I'm doing, I always tell my staff, I keep nuggets back for myself. That's how I make it through. So, Chris, remember this for you. I do this. And so these are nuggets how to keep fresh because you know what a pastor is? A pastor is an ER. He works in an ambulance. Every day I work in ER. I never know from one day to the next. It doesn't matter if I have appointments because my appointments could get, man, moved aside because I have an emergency. So I'm always living in the ER 24-7, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. I'm, I'm always in ER. So because of that, how do I keep myself sharp? How do I keep my mind from drifting off and being positive and all these things? Well, here's the nugget. This is something from my treasure chest to you. Here it is. Good focus points. Every day, this is how I start my day off. Number one, I focus on God's goodness. I have to focus. I don't know what happened. God's goodness should be God's goodness. I focus on God's goodness. I focus on his goodness, his love, his mercy, his grace, his acceptance of me. Because, listen, if you're always waiting for the crowd to cheer you on, you're going to be waiting for a long time. I have to, man, focus on God's goodness. God, I know you accept me just as I am. You accept me, God, no matter what I did yesterday. You accept me, God, and you love me for who I am, even though my hair may be out of place or this, that, and the other thing. God, you accept me. So I have to focus on God's goodness, his love, his mercy, his grace, because you know what? There's going to be a lot of people that say they love you, but they're going to bite you with the other hand. So but guess what? God will never leave you nor forsake you. His promises are yes and amen. They're the same today and forever. And you have to focus on his goodness. So when you get up in the morning, the first thing you need to say, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, that I can breathe. Thank you, God, that I can walk. Thank you, God, that I have a roof over my head. You see, when you have an attitude of gratitude, it lifts you up out of the muck and mire. It changes your circumstances and your situations in your life. So, God, I focus on you. Another one is this, his word. Here's what, here's, here's what I want to give you. What I do this night. Every day, every day, I take a scripture every day. And I read this scripture, and I'll milk this scripture throughout the course of the day. And that scripture, which I usually do, there's 6,000 some uh, promises in the word of God. Isn't that great? When Daniel faced his face to the east, he prayed, and there were 6,000 stars. That's how many promises that are in the same in the word of God. All the stars that are in heaven towards the east are all the promises in the word of God. And I take one of those 6,000 promises, and I chew on that promise, and I meditate. I remember one, I used to have three-by-five cards. Now I memorize it in my mind. And whenever I start going down the dark road, I pull up that verse for the day. And I say, God, may the Lord, God, be with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. I start fixating on his word. You got to have the word, thy word have I hidden in our heart that I might not sin against God. See, a lot of times when we think we sin against God, we do something, man, man, go and rob somebody or kill somebody. We think that's the greatest sin. No. You know how you start sinning? By when you start thinking. So, God, don't let me go down that dark road. Don't let my thoughts go that way. Don't let me be that, Lord. Another one is this, your family. Man, I, I have to focus on my family. Right now, maybe some of you don't like your family. Maybe your spouse and you aren't getting along. Maybe your kids or whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter. 
Over this last month, I was telling this in the first service, over this last month, I've done four funerals. And man, it's been sad because some of the funerals that I've done, not, not a lot of people showed up. Not a lot of people showed up. Solomon says that everything that we do is like a chasing after the wind. We can gather, we can supply, we can still do all this and all this and that and the other thing. But what really matters is family. And every one of those funerals that I did, like I said, some of them were very small. And the ones that were there, guess who they were? They were family. There wasn't a lot of people that was here to cheer them on. When it all comes down to it, Man, where are your friends going to be when you go through hard times in life? But guess who's going to be there? Your family. And maybe you're in a dark moment with your family right now, but you need to right now start seeing the light. You need to see that little crack in that light about my wife, about my husband, about my kids, about my aunt, my uncle, whatever it may be. You need to start fixating your mind on that crack. And that crack will become a big hole. And before you know it, that crack will become a door. What you fixate on will grow. And God, I may not like my spouse right now. But, God, I'm going to like what he is doing. He is providing. I'm going to like what my wife is doing. She is cooking. And you need to focus on the good and celebrate your family because when you die, guess who's going to be there? Don't forsake that. Another one is hobbies. I learned this a long time ago. My kids are exactly three years apart. My youngest and my oldest are born on December 30th. I call them my tax break babies. And so they're born December 30th. So my kids are exactly three years apart, from my daughter to my oldest son. So when my kids left, one, two, three, right in a row, all three of my kids left. And when our kids were growing up, I'm sure you parents can understand what I'm saying. Michael, now with your kids, now softball. You invest so much in your kids. And so everything we did was about sports and their activities. And man, our church grew because we all knew all the parents from the kids' activities. But when my daughter left to North Central, my baby, my potato, my baby girl, my whistle britches, she probably had 20 different names. She had a conflict of who she really was. I had so many nicknames for her. But when my daughter went to North Central University there in Minneapolis and we're in Colorado, Cheryl and I looked at each other and we said, now what do we do? We started developing hobbies. You have to keep yourself active. And we started developing hobbies. We got into ATV and then fishing and snowmobiling. We started doing these things. And guess what? We found out there is life after kids. And the reason why we were able to buy ATVs and snowmobiles, guess what? Because we weren't buying three milk gallons of milk a day. We used to buy three gallons of milk a day. Our kids would come home from college and say, Mom and Dad, where'd you get all this money? We're not buying milk. But you got to find a hobby. Find something to keep you active. Another one is this. Be thankful in the moment. Be thankful in the moment. I always say, seize the moment. Seize the moment where you're at. You know what they say in Chicago? It's called the Windy City. You know why? It may be blowy today and windy today, but tomorrow's a new day. And maybe in your life right now, it's storming outside. But you got to seize the moment. Make the most of every opportunity. The Bible says in Colossians, be wise in the way you act and make the most of every opportunity, God. I'm going to praise you in the darkest hours, just like Saul and Paul and, uh, and, and Silas prayed. In Acts, they prayed. 
and they sang songs, and they were in the prison cells at midnight. The Bible said they were singing songs unto God. They were praising God. And what did God do? He sent an angel. Becky, he sent an angel in the midst of their despair. Why? Because they learned the secret. The key to any door was being thankful. And because they were thankful and lifting up praises to God, God sent an angel there and set Paul and Silas free. And not only them, but also the people around them. And I thought about that. Also the people around them, that's you as your husband and wife. They set you free and they set your kids free. They bring joy back into your home. They bring life back into your home because he that the Son sets free is free indeed. But God does this. When he sets you free, he sets others around you free because they were thankful. i got to close, but what you fill your mind with will become part of your day. So start it out right. I'm not going to read the verses. I'm just going to make a point to choose whatever is pure, right, true, and praiseworthy. You will never know how good you will become if you don't practice. Got to practice. I love this. Practice allows you to make mistakes. That's why you practice. But listen to this. While getting better for the game. I'm going to make mistakes in this practice, but it's preparing me for this game of life. It's making me better and not bitter. It's making me stronger and not weaker. It allows me to make mistakes but it gets me better. Your mind is a muscle. You must exercise it every day with a new uplifting thoughts. Make a choice to rejoice. You must work every day training your thought mind to focus on the good things in life. What you give priority to will get stronger and easier. Amen. Watch this. I'm not going to read the verses. I'm just reading through your peace comes. Watch this. You got to get this in your knower. You got to get this, young people, get this in your knower because I know the pressures of what it's like being in your shoes. I was a youth pastor for 13 years. I hear the criticism. I hear the put downs that all the young people get. Man, the pressures that they go through at school. You got to get to know this in your knower. You got to get to know this in your knower. Here it is. Watch this. Your peace comes from knowing what God thinks about you. My God doesn't care if I wear Nikes or not. My God doesn't care how I comb my hair. My God doesn't care how I look. My God loves me for who I am. You got to get that in your knower. I love this one. What he thinks about me and what he says about you. you know what he says about you? I love you. No matter who you think you are, I love you. No matter what other people may say, I love you. I love you. Man, there's something about love that makes you want to crawl. When someone loves you, like, oh. That's what your God thinks about you. And look at this. What he says about you. And what he does for you. What he says about me. What he thinks about me. And what he does for you. When you get that molly in your knower, that's when you get transformed. Whenever your mind takes you down the wrong road, remind yourself of the thoughts of who your God is. 
take control of your thoughts right away before they get any bigger. Bind it, confine it, control it, and throw it away, and close that door like I am now. Will you stand with me today? <laughs> hey, that's pretty good, huh? Light right in there, right? Check that out. Hey, I'd love to meet you after service today. I'd really love to meet you. It's great to have you here. I want my altar workers to step out, if you would. We have our meeting right after service right over here for the altar workers, and we're just going to meet. But if you need prayer today, if you need prayer today, I'd like my altar workers to come down. And if we're going to pray for you this morning, maybe you're going through a situation, the Bible said where two or three agree, it shall be done. And they're here to pray with you and to uplift you. So if you need prayer this morning, just step out and let these guys pray with you this morning. Let them encourage you this morning if you need prayer, because that's what it's all about. We're not here to make you look weak, make you embarrass you, but we're here family and family that prays together, stays together. So as I close in this prayer, and if you need prayer, please feel free to step down after I close in prayer. If you need prayer, let these people pray with you. Two are better than one, the strength in numbers. And so if you need prayer, just please do that. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we are in it to win it. The battle of our minds. When the enemy tries to come in like a flood, God, your word says you're going to raise up a standard against it. And I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you will touch each and every one of us, that we will learn to focus on the good things of life, that, God, we're not going to be of the pattern of this world, have the negativity of cynical, being critical of life, but we're going to choose this day to think upon whatever is pure, just, holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. And not only do that, but, God, we're going to practice it. We're going to practice it, God. We're going to walk it out. We're not going to just be hearers of the word, but doers. Bless this wonderful congregation. I pray, God, that you will bless them in their going in. And even as they go on the lake today, we ask, God, your time will be with them. Go with us now, we pray. And bring us back for Father's Day as we celebrate dads. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, just slip out. Let these folks pray with you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's message. If this message has encouraged you in any way, please consider giving to Adventure Church to help continue this ministry. Giving is safe and easy through our website at www.adventurechurchsiren.com. Thank you for your generous support.